Welcome to the Window, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of an American Institution. And I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at the Post and Courier. Well, today we're doing our semi-annual, our, our sort of annual, uh, holiday roundup uh, edition. I think we tried to do Have we, we done it every year? I think we do it every year. I didn't go yeah, back we've, to we've listen. we've done it every year. Yeah. Okay. every year. Usually I try to go back and listen. Well, I usually, you know, try to sort of, you know, see what we had, had talked about last time, but I didn't get a chance to do it this time around. But we'll see. We're, we're, we're a little back over the, uh, the year. But before we do, I think we want to talk, you know, get this in the holiday spirit a little bit uh, since Christmas and the other holidays. Are, are just around around the corner. Hannah, you did a piece. There's actually a Thanksgiving piece that we did not talk about, but it, it could as well be a Christmas piece because it's it, it talks about gifts and specifically gifts from employers to employees, either at Thanksgiving or at Christmas time. And I thought it was a really interesting one that I, I wouldn't have thought to have, 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 have done. Yeah, it was really interesting. The story was inspired by, um, there was a post from a Smithsonian curator uh, last year talking about the turkey that her uncles and aunts would bring home from the factories where they worked in Chicago. And what was so interesting about the way she framed it was that, you know, the the factory owners, and I believe this was in the 70s or 80s, this was not long ago at all, um, the factory owners gifted these turkeys for Thanksgiving in the hopes of of, you know, turning their immigrant workers into true Americans, you know. <laughs> and so their idea was that they would go home and, you oh, know. Oh, okay. So it's more than just doing something nice. Yeah, this was well, like see, a was gonna cultural say, kind I was going to say from the outset, yeah. you know, there are certainly labor historians who would argue there is no such thing as a <laughs> gift to your employees. That that whole idea is, is it doesn't exist in the way that we understand a gift from a friend or a relative. So there was a, you know, quote unquote gift of a turkey. It was supposed to introduce um, immigrant workers to American traditions. And this dates back a good century. Yeah. The idea that, you know, we're American, you should be American, <laughs> here's your turkey. And, of course, what was so subversive about her family, although, of course, they didn't intend it that way, is they looked at the turkey and they made it into mole because that's what you do with uh, a turkey. How else would you cook Exactly, a right. And so, you know, in, in, in no way was that meant to be, you know, rebellious. It was the natural, you know, thing they would do in their kitchen. Um, so I was... I, my curiosity was great. So what happened to all these turkeys once they left the watchful eye of the yep. factory owner? How were they cooked? Um, and so I ended up focusing on the upstate and on the textile industry here in South Carolina. Um, and when they went, when those turkeys got home, mostly they were treated the way the factory owners intended yep. them to be. They were served um, often, you know, with vegetables picked out of the, the garden. Um, but it, it was just, it was interesting to talk to these people who remembered their parents or grandparents bringing home these turkeys and how much it meant to them. Yeah, and just to recap, so it was sort of the mills, so, so all the mill workers who in, if people aren't familiar with life in the up, upstate mill, t- mill town, it, it was a mill town owned by the mill. Generally, the house you lived in was owned by the mill. Yep. Um, so it was a very paternal kind of an environment. Uh, you might pay rent for it out of your paycheck. You bought all your your goods right. at the company store. Yep. Um, right. So not only was money going back to your employer yeah. in, in situations like that, but they were also determining kind of the aesthetic of your life. Yeah. You know what you very could buy, much where con- you could control by. Yep. Yeah. I actually grew up in uh, and grow up. I, mm-hmm. I, I when I was a young child, up I think between one and six, I lived in Great Falls, South Carolina, which is a tiny little mill town, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a mill town. Yep. Uh, J.P. Stevens had three mills, textile mills in there. We we, we were there while they're in the process of closing them down in the. 70s. Yep. Um, but it had the, it's such an interesting dynamic. You had the downtown Main Street owned by the mill with the mill stores and all that. And then they had a little area called, they call it Flop Eye for reasons I never quite understood, which was like a 
two blocks up <laughs> the, the road, hmm. which was not owned by the mill. And so oh, there's like a store there over time as it had eased away from being totally a, a, a factory town. There's like a little strip where you could go to the non-mill stores and oh, all that kind of stuff. So that just takes away. So the yeah. 70s, you know, that was still sure. very much uh, in you know in existence. That that was when they were, they were starting to, to close down. Uh, yeah, in most cases, this tradition of giving out not just a turkey at Christmas. I think the, the turkey was sort of the centerpiece. Yeah. Um, but the kids remember the toys. There was candy. There were gifts. Um, it was a pretty nice haul these families <laughs> took home, or at least they felt that it was. Um, and they really felt like it was. I mean, I couldn't find any ambivalence on the part of the people I spoke to. Uh, they they loved it. They, they felt that they were loved. They felt cared for. Again, labor historians, this like rubs them the wrong way because <laughs> they really want there to be an uprising of the people, you know. And so it, it makes them very uncomfortable, at least progressive yeah. labor historians. Um, but yeah, they, it was a really cherished tradition. As, as you said, it continued really until the mills closed. Yeah. Not too many of them discontinued it prior no, to No, and to that closing. was just part of like a textile mill yeah. town was the, the company dominated everything yep. and it, yeah definitely uh, I'd say it, it's a it's very mixed because in, in some ways it's 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 really it, there was a good thing there's there was stability there there was until all the, the jobs went overseas but there, the, there was a lot of stability there in the early part of the 20th century and the people who came to those mill towns came from just very very poor agricultural regions yep. so yeah it wasn't at the level of income you'd want people to be, but it was, it was a step up. So yeah. it's sort of this, dy- this this odd dynamic that happened that just uh, this very 20th century uh, dynamic that's no more. Right. And the turkey was very much part of that, that it was meant to, to yep. simulate a middle class lifestyle. So even though they may not have been earning as much, the idea was that they were supposed to be able to participate in all the rituals that, you know, the American middle yep. class valued rather than, as you say, you know, it living a subsistence life out yep. in the, on the country. And I, I want to ask, because you, you interviewed for the story a lot of people who grew up in, in the mills and mill families. Yeah. How did you find them? Did you just Thank get on the you phone? Thank you for asking. Or, <laughs> <laughs> I put— I don't where you would go to look. Work into that story. Because those I mills are about, long gone. Oh yeah, it's not like you can just call goodness. up a mill and say, Robert, I, thank you. So, and I'm going to have to get you a very nice Christmas gift. <laughs> this was not, this was not, uh, this was not set up. No, I spent so long trying to find these people um, because, as you say, they're, they're gone. So yeah. it's not like you can just go to the mill. Although I did try going to some of the um, current textile companies. Like, mm-hmm. hey, do you remember when you had a mill in this country? <laughs> they, 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 they were not helpful at all. Yeah, because then you have to just call random South Carolinians because they could be anybody. <laughs> could have grown up in a mill town and now they're gone. <laughs> okay, so I tried. There are actually these associations of sort of mill alumni. Okay, yeah. They were not as helpful as I hoped, but I tried that. I tried all the historical societies. I tried every person who has studied textiles, <laughs> anyone who's ever tried to conduct an oral history of the textile mill. I talked to so many people. What turned out to be the most valuable, as it always is these days, was Facebook. There is a Facebook page, <laughs> a group that I was fortunate enough to meet someone who she belonged to. It was some Something like, remember the good old days in yeah. Greenville? And so that that <laughs> Facebook page was really, that was a, a wealth of Okay, so we were able to contact them and they, they reached back out to months. you. And, it oh, took wow. months. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I think it, it, it made me think of um, a, a very different dynamic, but I, it, it's just an interesting dynamic when a company is giving food or a Christmas gift out to the employees. Yeah. Um, I've been on all sides of it. I've been an employee receiving the, the gift. I've been an employer uh, making the decisions about it. To mm-hmm. employer, it, it, a lot of things like benefits and stuff, it just look like dollars to you, right? You, you have to write a big old check and go buy a whole bunch of turkeys right. <laughs> and then right. give them out. And so you sort of make make that, that balance. Um, 
But one of my my first jobs was a uh, out out of grad school was with a, a small software company um, that I later became a partner. But at the time, I was just an employee. And at Christmas, the two partners who who owned it bought everybody. Not a turkey, but this is back. This is before Maurice raised the flag <laughs> over Maurice's. But we, we office was just a, a couple blocks from Maurice's piggy park in Columbia, and they bought uh, a Christmas ham, but a barbecue or a smoked Christmas ham mm-hmm. for every employee, um, and. We took them home. It was great, and that was back when I was young, and we we had to go visit all the family. And I think I think we had some friends. A whole bunch of our my college friends went. We spent a couple of days up in the mountains, and then we went to visit our various families. And so we trotted this smoked ham, ham with, with us, yeah, in great. the cooler and in the yeah. fridge, and uh, you know, all the whole holiday, everybody was carving off of it. Yeah. It's just a wonderful thing. It's interesting. The only time I've been given a turkey as an employee is when I worked <laughs> for the Biltmore Company when I worked at the Biltmore oh, yeah. State, and so they gave out turkeys, and I never claimed my turkey. And this was like oh, before yeah. eBay. Like I didn't yeah. know where to sell my turkey either. But like, so I, I, yeah, I I'm never... not sure I would buy a turkey on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> slightly sure used, someone, right? Slightly used turkey. I, but so I never claimed my turkey, which. Which I'm sure had some value to yeah. it. I mean, this is part of why they don't do turkeys so much anymore because nowadays employees are like, I'd rather have health insurance. So uh, it does have value. But I never claim my turkey because, again, it being reflective and encouraging of a middle class lifestyle. I didn't live in a home where I could cook it. Like yeah. I was living in some sort of apartment situation with a bunch of other people. I don't think we had anything big enough to put a turkey in. You know, it was so. I had it, a big fridge, I guess, at the time. Mm-hmm. It was my wife and I, you know, no kids or anything at that, yeah. that point. But we, we did have lots of, of grad school friends who were very happy to help dig into <laughs> right. a, a right. big old ham and, 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 and all that. Yeah. Um, it is, it's definitely, as an employer, it is sort of difficult because it is, to some extent, you know, you're you're paying money out, and there are always be people say, "I wish they just give me a check or just put it put right. in my check," which you could, but that extra, you know, I'm not sure what a fifty seventy dollars, you know, makes a big difference to some people, but it's not special. You would even notice it; it just goes in your check. Right? There was a specialness, I guess, associated yeah. with the turkeys that for a long time, as long as unions had a say, they said we want the turkey. I mean, they <laughs> kept the turkey around for a while, and I try to remember if they said some of the the auto-related plants, they may still do turkeys, but they're one of the very few. Um, some people, I've heard other people say they get them too. I mean, it's not completely obliterated, but one of the things that's really knocked out turkeys too is a lot of people don't eat meat anymore. Yeah. And so the dietary changes have been a big part. Well, that's why, it. yeah, anything you want to give out. That, I love the idea of giving food, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to give food out. You can't uh, give out food, pe- cookies with peanuts. Right. You can't do, you know, yeah, anything. You'll have your, well, what about a gluten-free option? It's, you can see how that it increasingly it just, well, here's a gift certificate for something, you know, not a Food n- gifts are really food. difficult. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Oh, well. But oh, for the, the, the days. I don't want to go back to the days of the company town and all that, but I, I wouldn't mind if, uh, you know, employers gave out a ham or a turkey. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, o- the only thing I can add to that is that I know that Michelin still does give out a turkey for Thanksgiving and a ham for Christmas. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. So there are still companies well, out there. And so that's sort of auto-related. Like, I didn't yeah. that entirely, but it does seem to have hung on in that sector longer than most. So. I guess that does. You know, I'm, not, I'm not sure about Michelin because 
Michelin is... But it's is, European. Yeah, it's, it's more of an engineering thing up in <laughs> yeah. Greenville than a, than a factory. I don't think they're making the tires in Greenville. I could be oh, wrong. yeah, they are. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay. I knew they had a big engineering facility mm-hmm. up there and, yep. and all that. But yep. you know, maybe it is a car thing, you know? <laughs> I don't know. You, you, get your, you get your turkey? I, yeah. I'd be curious to hear what other companies routinely give out right, turkeys exactly. these days. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard from a couple of readers who are like, yeah, I think they're just some like nostalgic lawyers yep. who they're in certain <laughs> firms. They're like, well, we always get a turkey, you know? So it's here and there, just like anything else, but... <laughs> Okay, so um, employers out there, next 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 Christmas, think about that. Yeah. Turkeys and hams, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we're now heading into Christmas, uh, maybe without our turkey, because I don't think the Post and Courier is giving out, out turkeys, and uh, I work for myself, so if I can go buy myself a turkey, I guess. But, um, you know, so no turkey. But we, we, it is time to look back over the years. A good thing to do at the holidays is you're, you're, you're wrapping up the year, something we, we try to do. And I know, Hannah, since you have a deadline to meet, you had to uh, <laughs> right. recently write your, uh, your roundup of the year. So maybe you, you probably have more. More yeah, things more, than I do. But. More is the operative word here. So I, I I do this every year, and I think it's a good exercise for me, and I think it's it's nice for readers to look back and think about what you know where we are um, right now as opposed to a year ago. And this story ran twice as long as the story usually does because it was an incredibly eventful mm. year for Charleston dining. Um, I, I, I don't even know where you want me to begin. <laughs> well, maybe just start with like one of the. Let's start with one of the big things. What was sort of the big one of the big headline things about twenty eighteen? Sure. Um. Well. Um. The Me Too movement yep. came to Charleston, right? So as early as February is when uh, Randall Goldman was ousted. Oh, it's hard to remember. That was just isn't all in the same crazy? year, that isn't was it? This year. Oh. So and that was a a, a major story that. I had written, um, published allegations from eight former employees, former and current employees of Patrick Properties and ended with Randall Goldman being ousted. Yeah. And then just your book ended the year because toward the end of the year, we had- Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yep. So uh, Mike Ray was charged with indecent exposure, which I think we talked about just recently on the show. But So uh, so, started the year off and ended the year with with, uh, the Me Too moments. Nice symmetry. And I think um, one that certainly struck me is, you know, we talked about over the years is the, I forgot, the fate of the female executive chef in in Charleston. Yep. Began the year. I don't know if you've done a tally at the end of the year, but- Yeah, tally at the end of the year. So we're currently, I still, I believe we're at three. Um, At the high point, I think we'd hit, I want to say 12, 12 to 13. So um, we lost a lot as the year progressed. So that, that was a big thing. And so what that really was indicative of, and we've talked about it on the show before, but there was just everyone was a flutter mm-hmm. this year. I mean, it was sort of like people were making a lot of snap decisions, including, you know, hiring these people and then firing these people. And so, I mean, that's a big part of why it was such an eventful year is this is the year that people really got scared. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, restaurant owners specifically, of course, female chefs have reasons to be scared that, as we just talked about, <laughs> so they get fired or a victim of the Me Too movement. But um, the owners really got scared. Um, competition was increasing. Rent prices weren't going down. The short staffing situation did not improve. And also, we'll remember back all the way in February was when um, – Zaubau started charging sales tax. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or they started charging more sales tax than they were legally allowed to charge. Um, both Zaubau and two um, concealed a what they would call credit card processing mm-hmm. fee in their sales tax illegally. Um, at the time, and I, I think they would still say they had a lot of costs as yeah. businessmen. They needed to do something about it. So we kind of saw that frantic behavior all year long. It didn't necessarily rise to the level of, you know, violating the law, but 
people were just yeah. frantic. And I think 2018, yes, it's sort of that, it's almost like a year on the edge for a lot of restaurant yeah. owners. Like, it just seems like the, the you know, doom is just around the corner you know, between labor and you know, changing yeah. laws and downtown And so people, so again, whether it was a matter of, you know, legality or just aesthetics, yeah. people made some questionable decisions along the way, for sure, because they just didn't feel they had time to think them out. Yeah. I have a few on the barbecue front, mm-hmm. which I always try to look at since that's sort of my my beat. Um, you know, one of the the, the things I, I did my top fifty barbecue list uh, th- this past summer, which is the first time I've done it in two years for which I do semi semi annually, I guess for uh, for for Southern Living. So I skipped a year, and but I was surprised when I put the list together that and that. Um, all the places that it were on the previous top fifty were still in business. Um, mm-hmm. It was just something I, I made out of. Well, that was in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after that, we did have a couple of notable closings of of not just notable barbecue, or not just good barbecue restaurants, but like really some of the the, the best Carolina barbecue restaurants. Uh, Jackie Heights up in uh, Batesburg, Batesburg mm-hmm. Leesville, uh, just southeast of Columbia, I guess is uh, yep. where it is. Um, Jackie Height passed away a little, a little over a year ago, and the family kept his his restaurant going, but they finally closed the doors up yeah. this year. Um, which is was a, that was one of my favorites. So a great whole hog, old school restaurant. Um, and then found out actually just a, like two weeks ago, uh, Alan and Son. Which, that was devastating. Yeah, outs, Boy. My, my number five in the whole country you know, on my list, at least, definitely I mean, almost everyone's pick for you know one of the best Carolina barbecue spots. And that uh, one, I Hill. really I didn't see coming because Mm-mm. it wasn't one of those where it's like, oh, I should have gone there because people did go there. Yeah. You know, it really it was a, a situation where it's the you know personal as it often is, as you mentioned, you know, these family situations. But and it was a place that folks have been looking out for. I mean, it had oh, been yeah. documented and celebrated as you did in Southern Living. I mean, this is not. One yeah, one of those was under the radar by any means. Not and, even close and, to under the everybody, radar. I'd I tell anybody, you know, that was my go-to. If you're up in that that Raleigh, yep. Durham area, you got to go go to uh, Alan and his son. Yep. Um, just just a, fan, a fantastic place. Um, actually, the last time I tried to go, it was closed. Mm. It was over the summer um, because uh, Keith Allen is sort of a one-man show up there. He's been doing it since, since he was, I think he was 19 years old, still in college. And his dad ran a barbecue joint, so he's so Keith Allen was the son in Allen and Son. So he was working his dad's barbecue joint as a, as a teenager. And while in college, he was eating at some barbecue restaurant, saw it was up for sale, and so he somehow went and borrowed some money and bought it. Like bought it on a Saturday, and at age nineteen, went to work on Monday. And was there ever since? So thirty-eight years or forty-eight years later, um, and but he was the guy in the pit. He did all he, all the cooking. He cut all the wood, and if he wanted to go on vacation, which he did every, once a you know a week every summer, yeah. they closed Close it down. It. <laughs> and uh, the sad thing with that one is that apparently he's tried over the years. He said he um, or told I think the, the Raleigh paper that he had he had lined up five different buyers at various points. Oh wow! Uh, but it all fell through. Hmm. And I know he didn't say why they fell through, but having been there, I actually went up and. Spent, uh, spent a little time in the pit house with, with Keith, Al- Keith Allen once, um, which was sort of cool. Got to hang out and you know watch him work and all that kind of stuff. You can see it's it's a lot of work. I mean, you're sitting there. He's got a he has the back wall of his pit house has this huge <coughs> brick like fireplace in the middle, and then there's pits on either side. These are like metal door pits, and he has I've never really seen anything like that. You open them up, and he, he he could pull out this big giant rack that all the meat was on, so he could you know get it on off easier, but. 
he spent 12 hours shoveling coals from that fireplace and in, into there all by himself working. And, and I mean, he'd been doing it for 48 years. It's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about, I just recently wrote about a barbecue restaurant that changed ownership. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not an easy thing no. to, to sell or buy a barbecue. I mean, it's obviously not easy to make barbecue, but it's not easy to sell or buy because if any category of cuisine is tends to be conservative, it's, it's barbecue. Yeah. The, these folks who are barbecue patrons, I mean, they don't, as you well know, I mean, if you <laughs> change the amount of, you know, pepper in the sauce, they're going to notice. If you change the owner, yeah. that that freaks yeah. people out. And it's not like, I don't think Keith Allen really had a, a system he could teach you. Right. Like, right. you know, here's the 18 steps. It's like, well, I've been doing this since 1970. <laughs> right. If yeah. you want to spend a couple, a couple years working with me, you'll figure it out. So that one, unfortunately, uh, is, is closing its doors. Um, and he didn't totally Keith Allen style. He's a very low-key guy. I wasn't mm-hmm. one, you know, he, unlike some of the other pit masters who, who get on you know TV and all that kind of stuff, he personally was didn't get a whole lot of attention. The, the right. restaurant did, he was he, he was like to stay behind the scenes, I guess. He just closed on a Wednesday, didn't announce it to anybody. Uh, you know, no no press release or anything. Nobody got a chance to go mm-hmm. have one last meal because he said there'd be too much. Like I forget what the quote he gave to the local too paper. It's like too, too much many, money. He said no. He said no. He said there'd be too much hugging and crying. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's <laughs> I can't. Y'all couldn't work an eight hour day with all that hugging and crying. So he just shut down and. And that's it. I still have a gift card to Alan. Oh, no. I, I, I bought it for my husband after I got the job here because you know, we used to live in the Carolinas in Asheville. And it was like the thing I was most excited um, about coming back to the Carolinas. So I bought him this gift card. And we well, there is still that. an Alan and Son mm-hmm. uh, in Pittsburgh, right. uh, different family. That you, it's it's the original one. That, Do they accept the gift cards? Uh, that's <laughs> you might be able to go up there and try yeah. to try to talk, talk your way into it. I'm thinking since it's a gift card, oh. not just a discount coupon, probably not. Right. Right. But Probably there is another not. one up there, but it's just not it's not quite the same. They don't mm-hmm. cook on the old big wood pits like uh, like like Keith Allen did. <laughs> and then I hate to say you brought this one to my attention yes. uh, a while a couple of episodes ago. We were talking about your big road trip, um, hitting the road, uh, food near the exits, and uh, I think at the time you were about to go to Cannon's Barbecue yes. uh, in Little Mountain, South Carolina. One of my favorites, top fifty barbecue. Uh, and you sent me a terrible picture of <laughs> this picture of Cannon's Barbecue, which is this little white tra- trailer. It's really fantastic. I cook on wood. Huge, is it for sale signs? Oh, like it's the gigantic, like, <laughs> it's like You can barely see sign. the restaurant behind yep. this gigantic sign. Yep. And so the Cannon's apparently have the restaurant up for sale. We just checked here. It looks like they're still open as of as of now. Yeah, I'm sure um, they would entertain a call if yeah. you want to own it. Uh, um, and if you haven't had a chance to duck by Little Mountain and Cannon's, if you're anywhere near, uh, go to I-26 near Columbia, it's just north of, or just it, west of Columbia, there's over the holidays, duck by there and check it out because it is a, a classic Carolina place that it, may not be around much longer. It is great. I think I may have said it uh, when we talked about the Interstate 26 project, but it is not quite within five miles from an exit. But you made the an only exception. one I made room for in my guide booth. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's that good. And yeah. they make uh, old style hash. I don't know many other places <laughs> that do it. They actually have the big iron pot that they cook over a fire out back behind the, the, the restaurant as opposed to doing it on a stove like, m- like most places do. Mm-hmm. And it's good hash, too. So definitely, if you have a chance, check it out. So that was some of the 2018, last half of the year at least, we had some uh, big Carolina barbecue closures, uh, unfortunately. So right. maybe we'll hopefully not see too many more in the, in the upcoming year. Right. Now, on that note, though, there, I think another little other barbecue tr- thing that we saw was a lot of notable barbecue place, uh, barbecue pit masters 
going outside their regions to open new places. In particular, Rodney Scott here in Charleston uh, announced that he is heading down to Birmingham, Alabama, of all places. So uh, his family long ran Scott's up in Hemingway, which is where he sort of learned the art and was the pit master there for years and years. Came down to Charleston a couple years ago, made a big splash, and now he's heading to Birmingham, Alabama to open uh, the Alabama outpost of a whole hog right. pea-style barbecue joint. Uh, I actually just talked to him earlier today. Uh, he's he's b- burned up the, the, the I-20 between yeah. Charleston and, and Birmingham and is looking to open up early in the upcoming year. So oh, wow. uh, that, that's happening. And then Pat Martin, I think I think Pat Martin's is open. Uh, Martin's Barbecue Joint, which is founded by Pat Martin outside of uh, Nashville, Tennessee, now has a couple of locations around Tennessee, Kentucky. He's got a Birmingham location too. Mm-hmm. So he's bringing West Tennessee style whole hog down to, right. to Alabama, which on the one hand is great. We, we got these two great whole hog joints. On the other hand, it's like, the ever blurring of the style. So uh, it's good for the people in Birmingham, I guess, more more options. And we should remember this is the year that Rodney Scott won the Beard Award. Oh, that's right. That was this (laughs) this this year. year. Is that crazy? So Rodney's had a big year. Just this year. He got a a lot of attention. Yep. uh, Much deserved for, for his whole hog. So... So, uh, you know, some closures, but at the same time, uh, it, it's wood-cooked whole hog is not dead by any means. Right. It's, 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 uh, it, it's continuing to expand. So, um, speaking of Rodney, because there it is all interconnected, we should note, too, that this is the year that Sean Brock stepped away from that, that's true. <laughs> Neighborhood yes. Dining Group. Which all is, these things you say, and I, I just, is that this year? That was this year. It's just this year. We had a lot happen this I year. Don't, I, this is why I'm so tired. There is so much <laughs> happened this year. But I did um, want to just um, highlight a few things that happened, at least in the Charleston dining scene this year, yep. that were great. So, a couple of things I put toward the end of my story in my roundup um, that I was really happy about. One, Charleston now has an official red rice day by mayoral proclamation. I think that was a great advance for Charleston. We already talked about the Beard Awards, um, but should mention, too, that Fig also won this year, and Mm -hmm. it's sixth try at the the wine program, which was great. Um, I also talked about all the pizza we ate this year, all the pizza that arrived in Charleston this year. Yeah, there's Detroit-style pizza. There's pizza from everywhere. That's the cool thing. I mean, as you were just saying about whole hog barbecue, I mean, these are very specific pizzas that came to town. And I think we're better off for it. I I, I know you said you didn't listen to last year's show, but as I recall, at least around town, there was a lot of skepticism about how much pizza we were, we stood to get. And I think it went really well. I think uh, here in Charleston, (laughs) you know, uh, Eater every year asks uh, food writers around town to say like, what were your favorite new restaurants? And you know, Renzo and Melfi's were my favorite new mm-hmm. restaurants of this year. So I, I'm I'm on the I'm on the pizza train. So you're, you're on the pizza way. I think pizza was a, was a good thing. Well, so. it certainly can't hurt to have too many different styles of pizza oh. around town. You know, that's, yep. that's not that's not gonna harm anything. Yep. Uh, except maybe the guy who just opened a pizza joint. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, exactly. So, so lots of pizza. Uh, some some awards for for Charleston. So. Yeah, it was just a year, just more of everything. Yep. Just a long, long yep. year. All right. Well, that wraps up the year. I guess we'll <laughs> <laughs> done. No more. No Only more. A few days yeah, left. No, no more. Nothing else can happen. Nothing. No more change in, in everything else. Yep. And 
That is all for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the busy podcasting studios at the Post and Courier Building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoy listening to The Winnow, help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you access your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the festive J. Emery Parker. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat. 